0: Right. This is the last day of Advent. What is happening? I, I haven't registered that Thanksgiving is done yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm so far. I'm actually not through with summer yet. I'm still mentally trying to come into fall. But we're already at the end of Advent. So in the Advent season, the four themes of Advent, every Advent season, is um, hope. We start with hope. The next is faith. Then we move into joy and peace. Um, how many of you know... It doesn't you can't have faith for anything if you're not hoping for anything. Hope is the start of it because you begin to believe what he said is true. You begin to hope that maybe what he said is actually true. Hope ignites in your heart and then faith is the muscle that you apply to that hope where you begin to believe that you're going to see specific action. And then we talked last week about joy. The strength on that journey of faith is joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So, if there are things you are believing for in the Lord, which you should be because we were made for the impossible, if what your life is producing is everything that is possible for you to do in your own strength, you have not heard him. Like, you need to go talk to him because he has some impossible things for you. If all I produce is what's possible for me, how does that bring glory to his name? People will just say, Oh, isn't she competent? Isn't she, right? When my life produces the impossible, they're like, well, she couldn't do that, right? They begin to look for my source, and that gives me a chance to reflect glory back to, right? So if you're going to be on one of those impossible journeys, which we all should be on, you're going to need some joy in your life. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's actually a fruit of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's at work in your life, there's going to be joy. Not like happy giddy, like a buoyancy. No matter what the circumstance is, there's joy. That is our strength. Come on. We're Pentecostal, so we should be good with that one, right? I mean, there's some places I go, you've got to convince them joy is actually fruit of the Spirit and grumpiness is not. But this should not be that place. Joy the Lord. And then peace. Peace is the last time of Advent. Now, on Tuesday, we'll have our Christmas Eve service, per usual, which is always beautiful, right? Um, Wait, no, no, no. No, no. Monday. Sorry, sorry. Christmas is Tuesday. Sorry. Sorry. Christmas Eve. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, Christmas Eve. Um, It's a candlelight service. It's super beautiful. It's my favorite of the year. It's about an hour long. We do it at 8 p.m. So if you have family for dinner or you do like a family ritual, um, you've got time to do that and get here. We have little candles for the kids that are not full of fire. Um, the kids love it. Yeah, my kids have been coming since they were babies and beautiful, beautiful service. And we get to read through the actual reason for Christmas, which is nice. We get to read through the scriptures there. So that's tomorrow night. Bring a friend. Um, I'm just telling you, there are a lot of people who maybe aren't even believers necessarily, Um but they are willing to come and do Jesus stuff at Christmas time. So invite somebody. Invite somebody. We live more and more in an isolated society. We're surprised at how many people, even like, you know, neighbors or whatever, they don't have any plans for the holidays. Family lives too far away, or there's a strange relationship, whatever's going on. Um, and honestly, they're thankful that someone, reaches out and says, you can join my family, you can come with me. Um, so anyway, I encourage you, bring somebody with you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Okay, we're going to start in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, so Advent, peace, peace. Uh, by the way, although you can't see it, well, some of you can. Um, I wore tennis shoes um, to church today, thinking I'll change into church shoes uh, when I get here. Um, But I didn't bring them. (laughs) So I'm wearing, like, busboy shoes. But I figured, I know you guys, you will love me, even in, yeah. Seriously, I waited tables all through college, or, yeah, whatever. Um, That's what we have today. (laughs) All right, Luke chapter 2. Today I want to talk about two aspects of peace. Now, we could talk about a lot, but we've only got time for two. So peace. If you think about peace, you can think about peace as the confidence and trust in God's wise and good control of your life. When are you at peace? When you have confidence and trust in God's wise and good control of your life. When we get saved, we're not saved because we believe the gospel story. Belief is part of it. But you believe, and then what happens? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? So you come to a point of belief, but then you've got to do something with that belief. What is it? Yes, I've got to make a decision. Because I can believe all I want and still be my own Lord. I can even believe He's the Savior. Everybody wants a Savior. Not everybody wants a Lord. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, come give me stuff, come rescue me. Everybody wants that. But Lordship is a different thing. My life is now yours. Your way and not my way. My life directed by your word, both your written word and then in relationship, right? I, this, is where, this is where salvation happens, that confession. You know what? I have realized, I believe the story is true. I have realized I am far from you, and now I am calling out to you. I repent not take my life. You are Lord, I am not. And in that moment, Romans tells us, the bondage we've been living into sin is broken. And now we can live like people who are in bondage to righteousness. Right? In that moment, the Bible says, the Spirit of Christ comes to dwell within us. And the kingdom in that moment is given to us without measure. Now, we may not know how to walk in it, but you already have it. I don't have a special measure of the kingdom because I'm a pastor. You have everything I have. There's not a special measure when John Mark came to pray for this. You have the same kingdom within you that he has because the Spirit of Christ has come to dwell within you. We learn how to walk it out, we learn how to get into agreement with it, but you already have it. It's already sitting there. That's exciting. So, when we believe, when we begin to have confidence and trust in God's wise and good control of our lives, we're really just leaning on his lordship. Because he gives us direction through his word, and also if we're listening, he's always speaking to us, and what he speaks will be in line with his word. But how many of you know, We sometimes we're like, yeah, but... <laughs> how many of you have... Yeah, but not in this situation. I know the word says that, but this is unique. How many of you have rationalized? Yeah. Okay, well, I will finish my story from last week. So, if you weren't here, just very quickly, we're selling our house. And we had an offer. And we rationalized the offer. We were like, well, we want to build. Selling this house has been an obstacle to building. Let's just be done with it. It was lower than we wanted, but whatever. We'll just do it. And almost as soon as we did it, we were like, man, we shouldn't have done that. And my husband, Mitch, was like, you know, God gave me a number. And I shouldn't have gone below that number. He gave me the number. But then we rationalized, and people helped us rationalize too, like, well, you know, this, that, that, that. Anyway, but your yes is yes, your no is No. We made an agreement, and the Bible says your yes should be yes, your no should be no. And so we were like, we're not going to go back on that because that's not right for the guy buying it. And people have done work to sell this house, too. It's not fair to them. But we were like, man, we repent. We should have listened to you. But still we trusted. He's good. You know, we recognize and we oh, In the back end, somehow he'll make it right for us. Okay, anyway, the next week um, I got a text from my husband saying, hey, in 10 minutes... Um, the mechanical engineer guys coming in, to, or mechanical inspectors coming in, um, and I was like, "Well, that's a bummer because we just had our big party, and the house is a wreck." You heard the story last week. The house is a wreck. Um, as you can imagine, you sit down dinner for lots and lots of people in your house. My dishwasher was like on the third of five loads. There were like dirty dishes all over my kitchen we hadn't cleaned the dog poop off the deck for days because the party was at night and there was stuff to do getting ready for the party. So you couldn't even walk through the deck. I have a Bernese mountain dog and a, and a beagle, right? So the deck was bad because <laughs> they are confined to the deck to go to the bath. Yeah, the whole house was bad. And of course, anywhere where our guests weren't going to be for the party hadn't gotten cleaned for days because you're getting ready for the party. There were no clothes for my children. Okay, anyway, so, and we'd all been up late. So the next day I was like, you know, kids don't even worry about going to school. Sorry, every teacher in the room, but that's what we did. So this guy shows up. Um, One of my kids is only in box shorts. The rest, I don't... um, The dogs, the dog hair, the dog poop, the dog... Oh, it's bad. The whole house is bad. I'm sitting on my bed folding clothes because there's a mountain. Nobody has clothes in my house. Okay, so um, the guy comes to the door, and I was like, hey, Luke can show you where the stuff is. He's like, no, we'll just find our own way through. He comes in. And the owner comes in behind, or the guy who's buying the house comes in behind him. The realtor comes in behind him. The guy's parents come in behind him. His girlfriend comes in behind him. A decorator comes in. Oh, the whole, it was unbelievable. It was terrible. It was, and I just sat in my bed, pulled clothes. <laughs> it's horrible. What do you do? What do you do? There's something. Sally has seen my house at its worst. It can get bad, Sally, right? You've she has seen us at her worst. She's like, no. Yeah, she can. She can tell you. Bad. Anyway, so I called my husband. They stayed in our house for like an hour and a half. Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> it was terrible. So I called my husband and said, hey, you know that deal we shouldn't have made? <laughs> I think we just unmade it. <laughs> like, what do you do? This guy's going to run for his life. Okay, long story short, because we have to get to Luke 2. Long story short, in the back and forth this week, um we did indeed get a long list of things and money this guy wanted whatever which you are going to do the long and short of it is finally my husband said listen to the realtor she said he said cuz the guy reopened the negotiation he said listen no to the whole list and here's the new sale price and he raised the price <laughs> to the bottom he felt like god told him not to go below <laughs> And she was like, this is going to kill the deal. Like, you can't. And he's like, I, I shouldn't have gone below this anyway, and I'm really sorry. And then he said, um, he said, I prayed about it. This is what I have peace about. And I was like, oh, don't tell her that. <laughs> because if the deal goes through and she doesn't get her commission, now she's like, he played the God card. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to bitter at God. See, I was looking at the circumstance and trying to evaluate what he was thinking. He was like, this is what God said. This is what we need to do. That night, our realtor calls us, and she was almost shrieking. She was like, in my decades of doing real estate, I have never seen this happen. He just signed it. He let go of his whole list of things, and he gave us more money. (laughs) A lot more. We're supposed to close the 11th, so, you know, it's not a totally done deal. I'm just saying, she's like, I've known this office of ever since happened. This has never happened before. And she said, God bless my husband. She was like, prayer works. Your husband hears from God. Prayer works. And I was like, thank God he said it was God, because now God's getting glory. When I was like, don't say it was God. <laughs> I'm telling you, He's so good. We were like, God, we didn't listen to you the first time. You gave us a do-over. It turned out better than anybody could have expected. Like, come on. He's just good. He's just good. Our (laughs) janked-up house got us more money. It doesn't even make sense. He's. I'm telling you. He can open doors no man can open. He can shut doors no man can shut. We thought he had shut the door. We were like, oh, he's opening it wider. That's amazing. Okay. So peace, confidence and trust in God's wise and good control of your life. Can you trust that he's good? If you do what he says, can he make it right for you in the end? Yes, he's good. And he will spend your entire life proving himself to be true if you'll trust him. And the second aspect of peace that I want to just think about at the very end here. Peace, which is the prevailing atmosphere of heaven. What is peace? It's the prevailing atmosphere of heaven. You want to know what heaven feels like? Not the absence of conflict, because that's not what peace is. Heaven feels like peace and joy. Come on. that calm, even in excitement. You know what I'm talking about? Peace, like real peace, like nothing can touch me. Nothing can touch me. You're the author and finisher of my life, unless you say that's not happening. Peace, peace. Okay, Luke 2. And it came to pass in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place when Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went out from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, And wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people." For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Okay, so let's keep Luke there. In the back of our minds, so Christ is born And the declaration for the angels is, don't be afraid, right? Do you know that fear not is the most commanded thing in Scripture? It's the most repeated command. Fear not. And then what do they say? Glory to God in the highest. Glory. What is the end game? That his glory would cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. That's the end game. So now they declare glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Okay. Okay. So peace, the confidence and trust in God's wise and good control of our lives. Peace is not the opposite um, of conflict, because how many of you know there's necessary conflict in life? Unless you're going to do life alone. (laughs) You're going to have necessary conflicts in life. But you can have conflict and have peace. One thing I love about this family is we have honest conversations. That's a kingdom tool. Always kind, right? But honest conversations. So we're not just going to be polite, like, that person really rubs me wrong, but whatever, hi. Like, ooh. (laughs) Politeness isn't, we should be polite. I'm not saying, like, there should be some structure in society where we, you know know how to move around each other without making a mess of everything. But I'm just saying sometimes we use politeness as a camouflage for actual kindness. The Bible says that if I've gotten offense toward you, what do I do with that? We have a conversation about it. We sit down and have an honest conversation about what, but what if they don't, what if they, that's not what, it, it doesn't say measure their response, think about what they might say. It just says, hey, don't allow there to be divisions among you. How many of you have found um, you don't really have a super solid friendship until you've had a conflict? Like, you've almost got to go through a good conflict. I don't mean bad, like everyone got messy. I just mean how many of you know, until you've navigated something together, you don't really know. There's a measure of trust It's hard to put in people until you've had to navigate something. Three of us are on the same page. Okay. For everyone else who's never had conflict in their life, let me just say. At some point, there's got to be a sense of, we can talk about this, and whatever this is, is not as important as this. And we're going to prove it to each other by how we navigate this. And as we navigate this, I don't have to shrink for there to be peace. And you don't have to shrink for the to be peace. We can actually both come and have an honest conversation. We both get to be powerful but we're going to move closer to each other in conflict, not further apart. Are you you're with me? So conf, uh, peace is not the opposite of conflict because conflict is a pretty normal part of a healthy life because you're going to navigate things with people. Some of you are still not convinced of this. OK. So none of the hermits in the house know what I'm talking about, but everybody else. <laughs> Go shopping today. You will navigate some conflict. <laughs> right so it's not the absence of conflict right peace is this sense that God is in control of my life and this situation might be crazy but he's not crazy and he's not thrown off by it and he wasn't surprised by it he wasn't like oh man if only I'd known that would have been their response I wouldn't have put that scripture in there right I mean it's not That's never happening with him. And so you can walk through situations and as bad as it might get, because not everybody's listening to him, right? As bad as it might get, I can trust that in the end you will make things right with me. Like things may never be right in that situation. Things may never be right with that person. But in terms of my life, you're going to make things right for me. Right? Your boss may never choose to like you. But... Your job is not your source. It's a resource. He's your source. Right. Amen. So you don't have to live in fear of that. And that's important because sometimes we feel like if we're doing everything right, all the problems will get neatly resolved and tied up in a bow. But not everybody's serving God. <laughs> and, and God can even lead people who aren't believers to bless believers. But some people are, they have their back up against him. And what you have to trust is he already knows how to make things right for you, even if this particular element of the problem never moves or moves in the wrong direction. You have to know that. Otherwise, you will sit there and you will ponder every situation that's not resolved. You'll think, well, what's wrong? Maybe I shoulda, maybe I woulda. How many of you know, like, that's a deep hole? Think about Jesus and his interactions. Do they all get tied up with a neat bow? No, a lot of them go south, like hard south. But he still has peace. He still has joy because he's not out to control people. He's powerful and they're powerful and they chose this way. But he can still trust the father was good. Are you with me? So we can't measure our peace by everything being tied up neatly and, oh, God was in that because it, it was neat and clean. Sometimes God's in it, and that's why it got messy. There's some stuff he's going to deliver you out of. And if he hadn't brought the mess to the surface, you would have stayed in it for a long time. Uh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna get back to my notes. (laughs) Okay, so if you think about um, so so if you think about the, the opposite of peace, it's actually anxiety. It's not conflict, it's anxiety. That's the opposite of peace. So if I'm living with anxiety in my life, then I know that God has a solution. It's peace. And sometimes there's things, there's this deliverance in a moment and peace rushes in. Sometimes you're walking with him and learning how to live in peace as opposed to anxiety. Sometimes there's a journey in him teaching you how to live in that peace. But if you live in anxiety, he can replace that with peace. And that's his desire. It's a fruit fruit of the spirit working in your life. Peace. Now, if I am second-guessing every situation... I am living in anxiety and not peace. How many of you know, if there's an alteration you need to make, if there's something you need to do differently, the Holy Spirit will let you know if you're listening. You got to keep your eyes fixed on him. Okay. So anxiety, its um, the word in the Greek is, I'm going to get let me get it right. I put my glasses on. M-E-R-I-M-N-O-A. I'm not going to pronounce it. (laughs) But it literally means to be in pieces. When the the word in the New Testament talks about anxiety, it means to be in pieces. The opposite of that is a single-mindedness. Right? A single-mindedness. I know where my focus is. My eyes are fixed on him. I'm not in pieces, not looking everywhere. If you think about Mary and Martha, who I love, if you're new to the faith, there's these sisters named Mary and Martha, and they have really fun interactions around Jesus. They're hilarious, these women. I love them. Um, But if you think about, if you're familiar with the stories, if you know the words that he speaks to Mary and what he speaks to Martha, um, especially the time when Martha was making the lunch that nobody asked for, and then she was mad about it. Why am I in here making this lunch? He's like, nobody asked you to make lunch. Why aren't you here getting teaching too, you know? Um, anyway, he says, Mary has one thing. Martha, you have your mind on many things. Mary had her focus. If Jesus is here, I just want to be in his presence. <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff might need to get done. But he is my focus, right? What is he doing? Where is he at? Is he teaching? Okay, I'm at his feet. Is he moving? I'm moving with him. Is he doing dishes? Then I'll be doing dishes too. You know what I'm saying? Like, She had her focus on, where's Jesus? Because I'm with him. And Martha had her focus on many things. Many things that nobody asked for. And so her interior life is a mess. Are you with me? If you have struggled with anxiety for a long period of time... Or if you have a job that is stressful, <laughs> some of you are laughing because you, then something happens um, in our nervous system, right? So people who, um, like my my sister works with, um, um, what's the school? It's Lyle Torrent, but which one are you at? Where's Shanna? Oh, there's Shanna. So, yeah. What do you call the bus? Oh, is it not an official name? Okay, so she works with kids with special needs. She's a nurse. She works with kids that have special needs in town, and they ride a bus. What? What do you call it? The party bus. (laughs) So this bus is for the fragile bus. The fragile bus. She not just any bus. She rides the fragile bus, which means these kids could die on the way home. That's no joke. Like some of the kids, they'll pull out their trachs because they have like spasms and stuff. They go into seizures on the bus. Sometimes they choke and you've kind of like, this is like three times a week she rides the fragile bus. She tells me about one day on the fragile bus and I'm like, oh, like what in the world? Sometimes she'll say, man, I'm glad I don't have your job. I'm like, I'm glad I don't have your job. My goodness. What in the world? That's a high. For most of us, we think about that and we're like, that seems stressful. Shanna's like, you know, if you know Shanna, she's like, rock it out. She's like, there's peace. I don't know how. She'll tell me stories where literally the child was dying. If she hadn't been in the classroom or on the bus, that kid is gone. And she's like, "Yeah, and it was cool and then they threw it up and I was like, mm, and I'm like, oh, my word. That's peace. Well, you can do that job. You have to know Jesus, man. I don't know. And not everyone does cuz they're frazzled by it, she's, she's good. I feel called to it, right? And it is a calling. I mean, it's it's a big deal. Police officers, the kind of job they have where you know, we're all trained, like, avoid conflict, walk away. They have to do the opposite. Like, they can't leave. If they have to serve the warrant, they don't get to be like, well, people seem mad in there. We'll come back later. They have to stay until the warrant. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a hard job. Nurses and ERs, I mean, there's, some of you have difficult jobs. You work with patients that have difficulties or whatever. Well, something happens. If you don't have another source for peace in those situations, your um, autonomic nervous system starts to switch on and never switch off. Now, you don't have to have circumstances create that. You can create that with your own mind, too, by where you dwell. So we have this autonomic nervous system. If you think Incredible Hulk, (laughs) half the church is too young to even know the TV series which is really sad. Um, okay, anyway, but if you've seen the reruns somewhere. Okay, yeah. Bruce Bannister, what's his biggest regret? His wife was trapped in the car, his wife and son, and he didn't have the strength to free them and the car exploded and blah, 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 blah. And so because he's so upset that he wasn't able to kick into his anatomic nervous system, right? He spends the whole rest of his life regretting it and then when he gets angry, he turns into the Hulk and all that kind of stuff, right? Well, what happens, your autonomic nervous system, what happens? When it clicks on, adrenaline rushes your body. It is galvanizing you to deal with a specific threat, right? There have been a couple times in our marriage where my husband's autonomic nervous system kicked on. It scared me to death. I was like, whoa, (laughs) what just happened? One time, our dog almost got hit by a a truck. He was in our house upstairs. I was in the yard with the dog. (laughs) The dog went out into the road, and I saw this, it was nighttime. I saw this truck coming, and I started screaming. So I'm still standing in the yard screaming. Somehow, my husband got from the second floor to the road before I did. I wasn't really moving toward the road. I was just screaming. But still, before the truck got there, he got to the road and got the dog out of the road from the second floor in our house. Like, I don't even know how that's physically possible. But after he rescued the dog, he was like, uh, right? All that adrenaline. The other time I saw it, (laughs) which I probably shouldn't tell you about, but I'm going (laughs) to... We were newly married, and he he's a sleep inner, and I'm a, up earlier so on Saturdays, like I'm cool with him sleeping in, right? We didn't have kids and stuff yet, but after a while, I'd get bored, so after a while i would <laughs> I'd come and I'd jump on the bed and be like, "Play with me, come on <laughs> Saturday. Well one day I thought, wouldn't it be funny if I scared him awake? That would be hilarious, so he's sleeping like super soundly, and I stood on the bed, and I screamed at the top of my lungs. It was scary. Uh, I mean, in a split second, he was face-to-face with me, and he was like this, like, he was looking for what he's supposed to rescue or whatever. Honestly, and I was like, okay, I shouldn't do that. I think that's how you get knocked out, <laughs> right? But we have this, and it's good. We need the adrenaline to do certain things, right? But our autonomic nervous system was meant to be galvanized, like a fear, like danger, was meant to be galvanized to take care of a threat. When we let ourselves sit in anxiety, what happens? It's this low-grade nervous system rush and after a while, we don't even know how to turn it off. So now, not only is our mind working against us, but our physiology is working against us. Yeah. And we're tired all the time, and we're stressed all the time. God doesn't want us to live that way. He wants us to live in peace. And sometimes to do that, it's not just a choice to do things differently, like what you dwell on, which we can deal with in a minute. But sometimes you've actually got to ask him, Jesus, come and deliver me now, because I think I'm so deep into this. I don't even know how to get out now. I think I'm always on. (laughs) And you're going to have to come and heal me like you would pray for cancer. You know what I'm saying? Like you're going to have to actually go to him because he has peace for you. All those who are weary, come and find rest. Find rest for your soul. Amen? Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Come on. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You got a a worry that comes at flags? Mm, Jesus, what are you saying about it? Jesus, what does your word say about it? What do you say is true? I don't care if I'm seeing the truth manifest yet with my eyes. I will. Because I'm going to hold on to it by faith. What do we do? That worry comes up. Man, I'm putting my focus on Jesus. I'm coming to Him with it. And then it says, God will tell us what we need. And then it says, thank Him for what He has done. Which means take your focus off of what's not done yet and put it on what He's already done. So I'm not going to sit and worry about the undone thing. I'm going to start making a list of what He has done. What have you transformed? What have you done? How have you spoken? How have I seen you demonstrated as true? And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. And honorable. And right. And pure. And lovely. And admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing then the God of peace will be with you. Man, that's good. Fix your eyes on what's honest and true and lovely and of good report. Fix your eyes on those things. What is true? What God says is true. What is true is not your circumstance right now. That's just a circumstance. What's true is what he says is true. That's what's true. What's lovely? What's honorable? Think of people you don't like. Think of people that have been a struggle to forgive. Man, sometimes you need people to model for you how to do it, right? Something, right? It's easier when someone models something for you. Um, I heard Bill Johnson teaching on forgiving. Because if you ever search Bill Johnson, like 8 million websites come up, just totally trashing the guy who is probably the most humble, (laughs) like... Jesus guy ever, but you know, whenever you're doing stuff for Jesus, people are going to, anyway. So he actually shared what he does to walk in forgiveness, and I was like, so, because I was like, yes, we should walk in forgiveness. We say, Father, I forgive this person. Fine, right, I cancel the debt. They owe me. They never have to come back and say it. They may never do it, but it's canceled, you know. He actually takes communion, and if there's people that have come up in his heart that week that he's just really struggled with that day, that he's just struggled with. It might be an old thing that he's already dealt with, but it's just come up. What he does is he takes communion, and he blesses them in prayer over communion. And he went through specific things he speaks, and I was like, man, I would have a hard time speaking some of that. Like, I would have told you, yeah, I forgave that person, but listening to what he speaks, I was like, oh, i got a whole other level of forgiveness. So he goes through, like, a whole list of things he speaks over them. I bless their children. I bless their children's children. I pray that all your plans for them would be accomplished. I, I mean, he goes through this whole thing of I pray they would be blessed. I pray they would know your goodness. I pray they would, it was powerful. It was like a list of like 20 things he prays over people who totally messed him over. I don't know. If you start blessing people's children, their children's children, whatever, I don't know. That's powerful. Because our prayers for forgiveness tend to be like, God, I forgive them and I pray that you would show them (laughs) like what they've done that's wrong. I pray that one day they will know, not that I need it, but so they can know and be close to you, so show them. (laughs) Come on, that's good. What's lovely? And what it causes them to do is to begin to pray for the things in their life that need to be lovely. Like who doesn't want their kids to prosper? Who doesn't want their grandkids to do what? Right, come on. Those would be the desires of that person's heart, and he's praying their desires to God for them. Oh, my goodness. Talk about focus on what's lovely and good and of good. Oh, my goodness. That's a good place to set your heart. Okay, some quick instruction. Quick instruction. Number one, with the peace of God in our lives, number one, abide. You're going to have to take time for his presence. Take time to be in his presence. Whether that's before you get up in the morning, you're going to get the word out and just talk to him. Whether it's you set time aside to put on worship and be in worship. Whether in your car, in your shop, whatever you do. You're going to have to take time to be in his presence. And I really encourage you in this. I know if you've been here for any length of time, you've heard this before. But you can create rhythms of presence. There's multiple rhythms, but here's two I would encourage you to do. Create a weekly rhythm for his presence. If you don't daily already have a rhythm for it, create a weekly rhythm. Because you might be like, every day, you know, I don't have time, whatever. But everyone can find a pocket of time once a week, right? Where you could actually sit for half an hour and just read through all of Galatians. Or put on worship and stay in it after you've read a few chapters. But begin to develop a weekly rhythm. Everyone can find one point in the week where you could have a rhythm you come back to every Saturday morning, every Saturday evening, every whatever it is, Sunday afternoon, find a weekly rhythm. And once you have found a weekly rhythm, it's going to be easier to find a daily rhythm. And if you're, so for me, if I can live off my weekly rhythm, my daily rhythms might get messed up, but I get so filled up in the weekly rhythm that I've got more time for in that weekly rhythm, that even if a day gets screwed up, I'm still living out of overflow from my larger chunk of time. You, You got me? So, If you can develop a weekly rhythm and a daily rhythm, then every day you're going to come back to his presence. And here's the thing, your heart can't get too far off if daily you're in his presence. Right? You can't go too far off. Right? He kind of brings you back around. So you need to abide. You've got to find time to be in his presence. Of course, we're in his presence together, but he wants to begin to speak to you. Right? He wants time with you. So abide, number one. Number two, you can listen to your heart or you can talk to your heart. (laughs) Just got to follow my heart. No! (laughs) The heart is deceitful in many ways, right? I mean, feelings are important. Feelings are like indicators, right? This is an example I really like. It's like indicators in a car, like, hey, something needs attention, but they should never be the driver of the car. <laughs> Don't let feelings drive the car. Let them be your indicator lights. Like, you know what? Something's off here. Let's, you know, they're important. But they shouldn't drive the car. So you can listen to your heart and get involved in all that stuff and all that stuff, or you can talk to your heart. Psalm 42. David says, Why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. What is he doing? I'm low today. I am low. (laughs) What does he do? He doesn't say, well, that's just who I am today. I'm just having a down day. That's what my heart says. No, he talks to his heart. Heart, I don't know where you went, but you need to go put your hope in God. You need to speak to your heart. When your heart is not in alignment with him, speak to your heart. Get in alignment Because you're not taking me crazy places. You are to indicate some things to me, but you're not to take me anywhere. (laughs) Like, whatever you put a flag on, I'm going to take to the Lord in prayer, and then he's going to speak to me about it. I'm going to take to his word, and it's going to speak to me about it. Yeah? You with me? You need to talk to your heart about who you are in Christ. When you hit those days, and sometimes our circumstance, I mean, there's legitimate reasons we hit those days. (laughs) You need to talk to your heart about who you are in Christ. What he says is true about you. What he says is true about the situation. Galatians 5 says this, For we have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you will not be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. How do you get free of that living in that constant conflict? I'm going to be directed by the Spirit. What are you saying? What are you doing? That indicator light comes on. Where do I take it? Mm. Right to him. Right? If you live by the Spirit, you don't live under that. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have done before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty clear. Okay. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. You have to speak to your heart about who you are in Christ. This is who I am in Christ. I am led by the Spirit. I've entered into a new kingdom, out of darkness, into light. I am a new creation in Christ. My old nature has been crucified with Christ. I no longer have to live under it. I'm not trying to be a new creation. I am a new creation. If I'm behaving as an old creation, I've gotten to agreement with some old creations, some old stuff that God will illuminate for me because I am already placed in this kingdom of light. Are, are you with me? So sometimes when I find myself over the course of two or three weeks giving the same advice, um, I'm like, oh, God's doing something in our, in our body. Okay, that's cool. So let me give it to all of you. Because if Jesus is doing stuff, um, I probably haven't talked to everybody who could use it. So what do we do? We abide. We talk to our heart. Instead of listening to our heart, we talk to our heart. And then three, when things come up, we're like, this is not in alignment with God's word. It could be sin. It could be a way of thinking. It could be a way of dwelling. Here's what you do. Ask yourself a quick question. When you go to the Lord to abide, say this. Why? Why? I scream at my kids every morning. Why? And then ask him for an answer. Have your journal out. Write it down. Because often what we do is we realize something is not in alignment with God, and we're like, oh okay, I'll never do that again. I'm never getting drunk on Friday again, right? I'm never yelling at my kids again. I'm never, whatever it is. Man, I just dwelt on that until I got so upset. I'm never doing that again. I'll never do it again. And sometimes we haven't dealt, when, when, when there's an issue of especially sin, sin is an illegitimate thing filling a legitimate need. So it's helpful to take that to the Lord. It says, take these things to the Lord, right? Take it to the Lord and say, Why? Well, you're screaming at your kids because you're not getting up in time and you're putting a lot of stuff in a small space. Your expectations are not like realistic to the situation. How many of you know God talks to you that practically? Well, okay, you know what? Okay, good. Thank you. Because I can just say I won't scream again, but he actually wants to help me mold my life around ways I can live in peace. If we keep our life molded in ways, doing a bunch of stuff he never asked us to do, try, right? trying to please everyone's opinions, sometimes you come to him and he's like, you're listening to everybody else's opinion. Stop. Listen to me. And now you know, oh, okay, I got it. This is what is driving me here. This is really important because I think if we just, I just won't do this thing, there's usually patterns of thinking that we have that are driving us into the thing the way of thinking, the way of doing this apart from God. How do you really experience transformation? By the renewing of your mind. And so God is going to show us different ways to think. He's going to mold our life in different ways. So we don't have to just by willpower say, I just won't do this again. I won't screw my kids again. I won't whatever again. Instead, he shows us a better way. Until you know what? That desire got killed because legitimate need got filled. My children have to have clothes on and shoes to go to school. That's a legitimate need. The time allotted did not give us a chance to complete that legitimate need. Well, I can fix that problem. Instead of telling myself every day when the same frustrating circumstance occurs that I shouldn't be mad. He actually wants to give us direction in our lives. He has given us direction for our kids. There's times where we're like, Jesus, we just don't know. New season. There was one time, I think Max was like four, and he was just in this funky season. We were like, God, we don't know how to reach his heart. And we felt like God was saying, I'm just telling you this, you know. Sometimes he gives you very specific stuff, and it doesn't seem very spiritual. But he knows people's hearts. So we felt like he was saying Mary Poppins was coming to Lansing, the play, the stage play. And we felt like, just got put in our hearts that Mitch should alone take him to this play. He's, he loves music and stuff. He's like four years old, adorable, in a suit. So they go off and have this like daddy-son date night, this play, watching music and dancing and all this stuff that he loves. And I don't know what happened. But after that, whatever funk was there was done, whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. But something changed that night moving forward. His heart was just light. I don't know if we needed time with that. I don't know what it was, but the Holy Spirit knew. I'm just telling you, sometimes you're like, that can't be the Holy Spirit. That's not very spiritual. And Mary Poppins, there's weird stuff. That, I don't know. Like, you could dissect it forever. But how many of you know? Like, you get that he will he will tell you quickly things right? He knows what you need. He will speak to you, and then you just do it, because you can't sit in that. You can't all day, where you had anxiety turning over things over in your head, you can't spend all day saying, why, 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 right? Because where's your focus? When my focus is on me, I am not happy. When my focus is on him, I have joy, right? Right? The goal of my life is not to figure myself out and do a bunch of self-discovery. Contrary to cultural opinion, the focus of our lives is not self-discovery. The focus of our lives is Him discovery. And so we want these quick touches from Him in abiding like, I'm gonna cast this care on you. I'm gonna ask questions of you. I'm gonna get a word from you. Why is it a really good question to start with, but there can be other questions. And then get the answer and do it and get your focus back on Jesus. I want to dwell on him all day. Whatever's good and lovely, the things you've accomplished, that's where I want to dwell. How many of you are with me? And so the fourth thing is, you've got to fix your focus. You've got to fix your focus on him. And what happens when you walk this four-step process out? Well, then you get to the second part of peace. And I'll do it quick, because I know we're out of time. What did the angels announce? Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, Peace and goodwill toward man. What does the presence of Jesus bring? Peace. Peace. Peace, the prevailing substance of the atmosphere of heaven. And it permeates your spirit, your body, your soul. Peace. Peace isn't the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. That's not original to me. Peace isn't the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. And the fact is, we are called to walk with him in such a way that we are declaring peace everywhere we go. We're declaring presence everywhere we go. Where does God want his presence to rest? With men. He wants you to host his presence. And so you come into crazy situations, but you come in and you change the atmosphere because you are carrying the atmosphere of heaven with you. It's peace. So we don't go in situations and think, oh, no, this is going to ruin my day, and I'm not going to have peace. We know who we are. I brought the peace with me. I'm exactly where I should be because I'm carrying peace. And we come over those atmospheres and not under them because we're carrying the atmosphere of heaven when we've, we've begun to allow ourselves to walk and what he's already given us. Yeah? If you would stand. Worship you if you would come. I know I've gone a little bit long but we need time to respond to his word. Otherwise, we just pile information on information. We need time to respond to him. So worship to if you would come, pray to me. if you would come. If you're visiting with us, we like to respond to his word and, and there's lots of ways you can do it. We're gonna respond in worship but there's also people who are going to be here on each side of me. And then there's people back in the alcove. They can all pray with you. There's people that are back in this other section too back here. So kind of the four points. People who can pray with you. Any believer near you can pray with you as well because you've all given the kingdom without measure, right? You can kneel at the altar if you want to and pray, kneel at your seat, or just respond on worship. But we need to respond to God. Because what happens is we get information about God, the Holy Spirit stirring something, and we think, oh, that's interesting. And we'll do nothing with it unless we purpose to do something with it. So begin to ask Him, God, you've, you've stirred something up in me. What do I do with this? How do I solidify what you're doing? How do I get clear on what you're doing? Take it to Him. Because you don't just need more information, right? We need transformation. So take it to transformation. And we have a few minutes to do it together. So take some time. Take some time as we lift him up in this house. Amen? Yeah, let's just take that time to just
1: listen to Jesus for a second. Just kind of put into practice what was just taught. So if you would just take a moment. Just listen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Who. situations we're facing God we just want to hear your voice follow your voice to those of you.
2: No other name like yours, Jesus. Like yours, Jesus. Thank you, Thank, you, Thank you, Father.
0: Thank you, Father.
2: Thank you, Father. Thank you,
0: Father. Before we go, if you're here in this room and in your heart, you feel like, man, I believe. <laughs> I believe Jesus died for me and rose again. But I don't have what some of these people have. <laughs> I believe, but I need to make him Lord. It's the most important decision that can happen in this house. If that's you, and you feel like I need to take that one step further, you just raise your hand. It's you in the house. Just want to make sure. I want to make room in the house. (laughs) Anybody feel like I need right with God? Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. The folks are free to pray with. If you're in this house and you know, I need to And it's time. It's time, and I want it. I want all of what he has. I want you to find one of these folks here. Pray with them. We're going to pray for one more need in the house when we do that. I want you to find one of them. And would you do this before we pray? Would you just turn to the person next to you and say, Hey, if you need to go up, I'll go up with you. Really, would you just turn to the person next to you and say, Hey, if you need to go up, I will go up with you all right we're going to give them a chance to come up as we pray for this if you're in one of those situations where you're like man my autonomic nervous system i'm in a stressful situation stressful job or I have whatever it is you raise your hand those around you're going to pray for you How many of you are like, I think my system got turned on (laughs) and I need Jesus to come and deliver me from it? Sometimes it gets turned on when we're young. We live in chaos sometimes and we keep finding chaos through our lives and God wants to deliver us from that too. So that's you. Raise your hand high. People come around you. We'll pray for you. And if you want to respond to God, you want to take that step. He is Lord, His way, not my way. Come on up. Come on up now as we pray for those who are praying for God to bring deliverance from assistance. Come on up. The most important thing you can do, most important thing you can do, Craig and Amber are free. You can pray with them. Everyone in the house, would you just pray now? Would you just pray now? Deliverance is coming and salvation is coming to the house right now. In Jesus' name. He's good. He's good. All of us can lift that up. All of us can lift that up.
2: I want more, yes! No place, no place I'd rather be, no place I'd rather be, no place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love, oh, no place I'd rather be, no place I would rather be, no place I would rather be than here in your love. Here in Your love, Lord, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. Yes, He's here. Yes, Lord. I want
1: more of You, God.
2: Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of You, God. I want more, yes! There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love. Here in your love, oh, no place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love. Hearing Your love, oh (laughs) yes, Lord.
0: Motivation's in the house. <laughs> up here. Let's give it a minute. Amen. Just offer worship. Let's pray together. Those of you that need to go, I know you've gone along today. Good stuff in the house. God is so good. He's so good. Would you pray with me? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory (laughs) forever, forever. Amen. Amen. If you're new, I'd love to meet you. I'm going to go back.